0: Brussels sprouts actually taste better than they did 30 years ago. That's because through artificial selection, we've chosen the crops that taste less bitter and uh, made them more prolific and actually put them into the food supply.
1: Sounds like you're in the pocket of big Brussels sprout to
0: me. It's actually medium Brussels sprout. They are not as big as they want to be. Baby They're Brussels lobbying. sprouts. They're baby Brussels Those are the
2: best sprouts. ones. They're frozen. They're
3: perfect. Do you think they could get together with bok choy and become friends? Oh, I love <laughs> really? bok choy. Oh, I, I don't think I've even had bok choy.
0: What do you love about bok choy? It's just a leafy vegetable, isn't it?
1: Oh, love them. I love a leafy vegetable.
0: <laughs> I like. <laughs> you just the... said the verb and noun I did. That's all you did. <laughs> I like I said the I stem loved it.
3: curves like a little spoon. You can put it in ramen, and it's like That's a leaf true.
0: spoon. It is, good in, it is good in soups. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: And you know what else is great in soups? <laughs> slug soup. <laughs> That's yeah. right
1: listeners. Is if it? you're hearing a fourth voice, it's Slugface Killer. <laughs> <Dang>. <laughs> Slug, uh, just a little introduction here. Correct me if any of this is wrong, but I believe I took it from a post you made, so uh, you lied to me and then I lied to the listener, okay? (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. I think that you are the most prolific fan content creator in all of the Root community, okay? Mm -hmm. With over 10 fan factions, 5 maps, 3 decks, 7 vagabonds, scenarios, rules variants, and countless TTS assets. No. No. Is that not true? <laughs> no. Close. <laughs> the answer was just no. Close. What what, what I miss? <laughs>
2: uh, I've created over 30 fan made ways to change the game of Root, including nine factions, four maps. There's a fifth on the way. Two and a half decks, seven vagabonds, one scenario, three methods of setting up the game, including one draft method, one deck build, and one rule change for the vagabond that create, requires no additional components. Uh, and it's Proven quite popular, though it certainly has its detractors. Oh, which one is that? Is that the Quest Freshener? The Quest Freshener! Yeah. Yeah. I love the Quest Freshener. Yeah. I love saying Quest Freshener. Don't forget to freshen those quests. Uh, (laughs) And I've also done three what I call tweaks-lations of other fan-made works and collaborated and contributed on many other
1: projects. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, uh, in addition to being one of the leaders at Weird Root, right? Uh, Yes. And... I also
2: am the one who coined the phrase whimmies.
1: Is what? that? Whoa. Yeah. Whoa, that is blowing Whoa. my mind right now. <laughs> you <slug>. did remember?
2: <laughs> I heard people great. thought it was such nonsense. So I'm like, no, nah, this is going to catch on. You just,
3: you just... <laughs> and I kept on dropping a whimmy
2: every once in a while.
3: And then it caught yeah. on. You uh, know how like, it's like unbelievable how much. Like old timey musicians wrote in their lifetime. It's like you look at Bach, he wrote like hundreds and hundreds of pieces in his mm. lifetime. I, slug, I feel like you are like the Bach of root fan made content. <laughs> you just create so much. It is honestly incredible. It's like a force of nature. I'm more the slug of fan made root
2: content.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> there we go.
1: Uh, And it's so great to have you on because we're going to be talking uh, specifically on this episode about the new Outsiders expansion, which is an expansion that you have compiled from all of this fan-made content, right? Not curated, but yes. Right, right, right. It's a a new package of it, right? It's the final PMP. I'm done.
2: I'm not touching it. Yeah. Questions have been (laughs) answered. That is it.
1: Nice. Nice.
0: (laughs) Well said, yeah.
1: That's fantastic. Um, I got a question for you, Slug. Sure. Isn't Root weird enough for you? What is? <laughs> what
2: is What is weird enough? Uh,
1: not anything. No, you don't find that the game with like the 10 asymmetric factions and all the permutations, you look at that and you're like, that's child's play. We have to continue to create more and more and more. I mean, I kind of
2: got started on it just kind of by accident, um, but it just very homey to me. I, I think the system is very robust, and there's a lot uh, that is done with it and can be done with it, and I think people have barely scratched the uh, surface of it. Yeah, I mean, I just I started it by accident. I was just taking a break from an unrelated writing project, and I was like, I'll just take a day off, and I'll just make one of those, I don't know, fan faction boards or whatever, <laughs> just make it look pretty or whatever, and uh, that was a long time ago. Uh, It's been a long break, but uh, yeah, I just find it very comfortable and very easy to work with.
1: Yeah. When in um, Root's chronological story (laughs) did you start making fan factions? Was it right after the release of the base game? Was it after a few expansions? When did that happen for you? Well,
2: I discovered Root maybe about a week after the underground Kickstarter finished. Oh, okay. So I discovered it, and I was like, like many, I'm like oh my God, (laughs) what is this? I need it all, I need it all. And I I missed it by like a week and I was like,
3: no. So I found
2: someone locally who had made tons of Kickstarter pledges and I secured it, I had to have it. Mm
1: -hmm. And then
2: when it finally came and I got it and I brought it to my in real life group and no, no, they were not. They didn't like it? No, they're not, they're not very competitive. Um, So (laughs) they, they went back in the box (laughs) <laughs> uh, I took it. I had everything. I even had the resin markers. I don't even think I put them on a map. Wow.
0: What was your group looking for? Were they? Yeah, are they was more into ask. like? They're big more cooperative,
2: cooperative stuff? Uh, peeps. Okay. Oh, okay. They're cooperative Ooh. peeps. We uh, we love cooperative. Well, I also like competitive, but they mainly yeah. like cooperative. Yeah. Uh, what do they friends? like? Like Spirit Island, Gloomhaven. What are we playing? Our group has about three hundred plus plays of Spirit Island uh, logged. Mm-hmm. Uh, we play oh, wow. between like 9 and 11 difficulty uh, thematic map only. <laughs> oh my
1: goodness. What? That is, that's it. I play a lot of Spirit Avenue. I've played probably like 70 games. I would never do what you just said. <laughs>
2: that it sounds is vol- 100? What a that's, good game. That's
0: bonkers. Yeah, we keep game. a log
2: of it called the uh, Spirit Log, and we have a Spirit Scoring, which uh, starts at Pitiful and tops out at
1: Outrageous, but. <laughs> We typically do good decent or bad okay okay uh, have you made any uh fan factions for spirit island i'm assuming i have an idea for something <laughs> for it but the
2: process of doing it is is very unwieldy uh, very unlike something like root where it just it's kind of very natural to me so i don't know if that'll ever happen mm. um it's not really i love playing it yeah for sure That's so oh interesting uh, So, yeah, it went back in the box. Sorry, I do this sometimes. It went back in the box. I took it out once to try with bots by myself. Not not totally for me. It's just a lot to do, Mm -hmm. which is funny because I do so much by myself now, but not with bots. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it went back in the box. I've only taken it out one other time. I did get Marauders and everything because I have to have everything. Yeah, yeah. And I brought it to my hometown to play with my friend because he didn't know about it and I wanted to show him. So he played Birds. And I three-handed, I think, cats, lizards, and crows. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because I wanted him to get the Wait, whole experience.
0: Close. How <laughs> yeah. did you keep secrets from yourself? <laughs> yeah. Let me guess there are what that ways, plot There
2: is. are ways. Sometimes you have to deal with a randomizer. but they, that Damn, comes up in, I failed again. That comes up in playtesting a lot uh, when you're testing with yourself. So that's I'm no right. stranger to that. He sure. got a very good experience of it. He had a very fun charismatic game. He had tons of suited cards in <laughs> Recruit, tons of cards in Recruit. And the, the look on his face when he went to reach in and grab those wait (laughs) (laughs) what oh no (laughs) yeah that's that's rude for you it's a good lesson to learn and then i recently took it out to double check components while i was putting together the print and play to make Mm -hmm. sure that the ones i was putting together were as close to in real life components as possible because obviously i play on tts a lot right
1: all right so before we yeah let's get into it slug what is the outsider's expansion
2: uh, Outside Expansion is a collection of stuff that I had made, and it had a common overall theme. <laughs> <laughs> it contains six factions, a vagabond variant, two, a new double-sided map, just two maps, and uh, and a new
1: fifty-four card deck, and that's wow. it. Yeah, I mean that is a that's complete it, expansion. <laughs> yeah, uh, and you said this is all your content, right, Slug? I designed everything in it. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. I uh, mentioned this on the pod, but I was thinking something similar at one point. I'm like, I wish we could take all these fan factions that really live on TTS and find a way to like package them and like curate them to a point where we could print them and feel safe that these aren't going to change too much or whatever. And it sounds like that's exactly what you've done. The only other kind of full fan uh, expansion that I've seen
2: released is the... uh... (laughs) I don't want to say it in French because I'll butcher it. So just the season one <laughs> by the French Discord, and that yeah. was a coming together of multiple designers. Uh, I think they made four four factions. I think are in that one. Mm-hmm. Is
0: um, that uh, saison un? <laughs> you say it, not me. <laughs> oh, I mean that was pretty bad, but I'll take the hit for it. I can <laughs> say saison. I'm not going to say the other, that's other word. Uh, that's just <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> that's pretty good. That sounded very French. <laughs> Excellent. And so uh the six factions I'm, we're definitely going to explore a little bit. Um but um is there there is a deck in there as well? The Upstarts and Renegades deck. Upstarts and Renegades
2: deck. It's a it's a new deck. It's got 25 a new set of 25 craftable improvements uh mixed into a classic 54 card deck. Uh, it's got three effects of which utilize unique components found only in the deck. Uh, a special warrior, a hex-shaped marker that adds an extra building slot to the map. Pre, treetop, and a uh, portable path uh, that can be used to move through forests. Holy Ooh. moly!
0: guacamole. And when I say pre
2: treetop, I mean design is convergent. That's what it's called, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's not like. It's not like the the chicken or the egg came first. They both came at the same time. We know that. Right. 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 Can
1: you place that building slot anywhere?
2: Yes. It the the final version is a little bit different, so. You can place it anywhere that you have pieces. And then when enemies build in that clearing, you score one point.
0: Ooh, for those of you that want to look at these pieces, while you're listening to this episode, I'll put a link to the outsiders expansion, not only the PNP files, but also the tabletop simulator, um, workshop link. So you can go open it up and go tear it open for yourself and see all the sweet things inside awesome and then the maps are the
1: deep woods and the wastelands wasteland Wasteland. that's wastelands the wastelands look wicked it's fun i remember in this one there's like a water resource that you have to pay or what else happens yeah so wastelands
2: is kind of like an economy map so uh actions are tied to a kind of economy of water that kind of intensify the clash uh, on the barren wasteland of tomorrow (laughs) well i think if you're designing a route map you have to have a nice contrast you know you've got the uh, balanced and very open autumn map versus the very closed and very random winter you know the very tight ring of the of the lake with the opening connections of the mountain so for me it was the you know the past and the present that's what i did Deep Woods mm-hmm. came first, but uh, and that one's the uh, Frontier-themed map. It features a settling mechanic uh,
1: that forces you kind of into new, unexplored strategies. Right. And that one, you actually like, yeah, you discover a clearing, and then you get, do you choose its suit? Uh, you do. It depends on what card you spend on it. Basically at the beginning of the game,
2: all clearings start uh, as wild for all purposes except crafting. Players can't craft there. And mm. all clearings have a piece limit of two pieces per faction. Two pieces? Two pieces. Three is the magic number. Three, everybody can get by with three, but two puts yeah. you in a pinch. So you can have, it's, everybody can have pieces there, but each player can only have two pieces. And if an action would move or place a third piece in that clearing you first have to pay to settle it when you pay the card you choose a available settler or clearing marker and it becomes that sometimes it gets an extra building slot sometimes not oh yeah That's unsettled true. uh clearings only have one slot for a building and or rune.
1: interesting uh, how much or of ruin. that like I'm thinking of like the cat setup, right? Like might break some of those rules. How, do, how are those kind of things handled?
2: I mean, I, I did all my testing with standard. So it was right. uh, you draw five cards instead of three. And then factions that require to settle lands for setup spend cards from their hand to settle them during setup. Oh, awesome. So cats, cats do the most. They have to spend three. And then uh, for advanced setup, you draw six instead of five.
1: Oh, okay, great. Oh,
2: interesting. But yeah, there's definitely some interesting things, uh, like you know, a a cat with a warrior and a a sawmill would have to settle to place wood. Right. (laughs) So once uh, it settled, it settled. The frontier times uh, were tough. You know, (laughs) Uh, it definitely it was very good at capturing that that feel of pinch for resources, very like tight decision making of frontier times and and survival in in that kind of exploring uh period uh it does make the beginning of the game very starved and very painful but that is definitely what it was intended to do so
0: when you were designing these what was like the playtesting process like for the map specifically because you assume you had to try your best to like consider how factions would perform on each of them
1: yeah not only all the normal factions but also all your fan-made factions (laughs) yeah
0: that's a good point Yeah, what was your process in terms of, like, balancing the map or, like, addressing how it's moved? Because I imagine, like, something in the frontier that probably benefits, like, factions that don't need a lot of pieces in place compared to, for instance, the cats, which have a ton. Yeah, I mean, the process
2: is kind of, as far as, particularly for a faction on Deepwood's map, it's, guess, kind of uh, specific. It tended to be, I guess, factions that had lower requirement for pieces often benefited more from crafting which is where no crafting in those clearings came from uh Uh, and there also came this is again before there was a lost city so i have a a house rule well a rule specific to that map called maximum corvage which is uh placing in every matching clearing to a maximum of four ah yeah that makes sense turn to otherwise yeah <laughs> full supply out that that can be a problem uh there also had to be things i guess around the other ones that particular were uh alliance and otters which they are kind of specific rules not specific rules but just reminders about how rules uh function so it i guess that the latest change was that it ended up being if an action would place a third piece you'd have to settle it Cause otherwise, there were weird things with uh, revolting and placing, a, establishing a trade post where you were the ruling player. Because mm, right. if you were the otters and you rule with one, and then you place a trade post and a warrior, would you be able to do it without the warrior? Only if your supply would be like empty, so that the action would not place a third. Right. Weird right. things. Yeah, it gets weird but i mean yeah. root does in general so yeah yeah that's root's fair roots that's no fair. stranger
1: to that so I'm not, yeah. i didn't invent that <laughs> that's fair yeah this is cold's mess and you're just playing in it <laughs> um awesome so let's get into the factions can you list the six factions and give us a, like kind of a gist of what we're looking at here i can sam <laughs> uh first up uh, these are kind of in
2: order of complexity the complexity needs go from moderate to very high i had to change the bar on the back of the board so that it actually went further
0: than it's uh-huh. supposed to for the last two
2: um the first two are moderate there's bone patrol uh, which is an insurgent faction that is engaged primarily in its own pickup and deliver system uh style kind of mini game but due to the turn delay and scoring that kind of mini game the faction has been given considerable teeth with which to insert control over the board uh, where the cats build buildings and birds protect the buildings they've built Bone Patrol brings bones back to their buildings and scores them.
3: Cool. Uh, wing One menace. thing I love about Bone Patrol, um, sorry to interject, is no problem. It does something that I really love in uh, the, the Marauder expansion, uh, which is the Warlord is like this giant piece amongst all the other kind of smaller rat meeples. And in the Bone Patrol, we have all of our small little pug meeples, but then there's like a great big dog as well. German Shepherd. Um, uh, a big German <laughs> shepherd meeple. It's like nice and pointy ears on the top. Looks exceptionally grabbable. Uh, really great <laughs> job on these designs.
2: <laughs> yeah, the uh, the the alpha piece also is kind of the, the hinge of how Bone Patrol works uh, on its board. So everything is kind of centered around that. In fact, the other warriors cannot move. Uh, they have one of their berries is obedient, which states that they can only move, your warriors can only move to and from the clearing with the alpha. Whoa. So everything hinges around where it is. So in, in birdsong, you scout moving the alpha out, and then everybody else has to hinge around where they are. Of course, the alpha is also a warrior, so it can also move with warriors when they're moving. That's interesting. That's a cool like, little slingshot thing that they're going to have to do. Uh, the nugget that's what I call like the inspiration is like the nugget is uh the cat's march action and I like the two-part move where it kind of you kind of chain like move in pick people up move them out yeah Uh, collect them move them out places and that kind of style of movement was kind of one of the nuggets I like the idea of a faction that hinged on that kind of movement style that the kind of a movement puzzle is Mm -hmm. kind of one of the biggest things about it they very move like
3: cool. a pack. I love it. It's very, it's very thematically kind of concise. It's really cool. Yeah. Sit, yeah, stay. All right, let's go. <laughs>
1: awesome. All right, what's the next one?
2: Uh, Wing Menace is a mid reach surge style faction uh, that will score early, frightening the other factions, but needing to ensure that they are prepared for the long game, where the alliance spreads sympathy and the lizards score their gardens. Wing Menace scares all, off all of a faction's warriors in battle. Ooh. What does, that, what does that mean mechanically? Uh, they have fight or fright card, which they kind of keep secret and they can change before every battle. And if it's fight, then it's just the battle is as normal. Uh, if they choose uh, fright, enemy warriors are not removed, but they instead are moved by that player to a clearing based on a priority. So you basically scare off uh, enemy warriors into clearings where uh, they have pieces, where they have the most pieces, and if in a tie you choose, uh, and then you if you score off if you frighten off all of their warriors, you score points for every warrior you scared off. Ooh! So better oh. better at picking off little bits. Uh, it can be really tough. You also cannot initiate those battles unless you have more pieces than the faction that you are swarming. It's called. It's mm-hmm. their action. Yeah. So it actually creates a board state where other factions are kind of huddled together. Uh, in fear to protect themselves with numbers.
3: That's very cool. And thematically, one thing I love about the Winged Menace is it's a bat-themed faction. And so, of course, the bulk of their faction actions are going to happen in evening, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's great. Uh, and just this is a small detail, but something that the fan faction that I was personally working on and then abandoned after a while. Because it's hard to create factions. It's so hard. It's really difficult.
1: Uh, But this
3: mechanic in their birdsong of scattering is something that I really was trying hard to work into my uh, sort of nascent fan faction. It didn't end up working out well. But I think here it makes a ton of sense. And this, mechanically, is just like a really cool puzzle and seems like a really fun faction to play have not had the pleasure of playing uh as the winged menace yet
2: a uh, winged menace is the first one that i did that was the one i did on my break day i didn't finish it i just kind of made it through it all on the board and i was like i'll put all the stuff in in evening i might not have done that if i did something now based on how i sure. feel about <laughs> turn structure um but bone patrol was the first one that I actually finished to completion i do think that winged menace has maybe of all of them has like one or two things that is maybe a bit too much
1: but it tested and it worked really well so pencils down yeah i mean it's there's fun. some things in the existing root factions that feel a bit too much and as long as people <laughs> kind of come to that understanding and we can self-balance then the factions work out just fine so. it's
2: that extra screwdriver you, that you just don't know what it's for yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. Like your triangle shape and you're like i don't need you <laughs> <laughs> all right what's our next faction uh, so, high complexity, Order of the Forest uh, is an insurgent de-escalation by force and power through information risk and reward type faction, uh, where otters place trade posts and score off dividends, and where crows flip place plots, Order of the Forest holds enemy warriors in their ranks. They are a ancient sect of altruists. They're just well, trying to help. So, they, they steal upon its warriors? Yeah, so they have an action in their daylight that is called Witness, um, which they initiate a battle, but they don't deal hits to warriors.
3: Yeah, when you deal hits, your hits do not remove enemy warriors. Instead, when an enemy warrior would be removed, swap it with a warrior from your own supply. Whoa. Ah, okay. After battle, place
2: all enemy warriors in your supply into the ranks which is a, a stacked uh, thing that keeps you basically score off of how many uh, enemy warriors you're holding the ranks uh, or return them to owner. Obviously, you can't put the warlord there because you cannot place it there. Right. Right.
3: So they're sort of like converting or or maybe kind of temporarily. It's a convert kind um, of thing. Yeah. Holding them in a sort of religious stasis or meditative (laughs) state of mind or something well
2: no it's like they are they're trying to teach their their forest brethren the error of their ways and they throw themselves uh, out there to to witness and sometimes people say get back and they slash them but you fall but sometimes you change their mind and they decide to Mm. lay down the sword and join you
1: whoa is there a way to uh, for an opposing player to get those warriors out of the ranks?
2: Yes, it's called Reclamation. There's a lo-
1: little extra berries
2: in this one. Uh, when enemies remove your warriors on their turn, they may remove an equal number of any one player's warriors from the ranks as if removed from the map defending in battle. Thus, cool. that's how you get your lizard and your cats. Lizards and cats, there's often a problem with uh, right. uh, acolytes and, and field hospitals. Um, revenge? Revenge and field hospitals. Uh, So Witness has actually gone through a lot of uh, different writings. I'm really glad that Marauders brought swap back and made Mm -hmm. it a really powerful thing in the the law because that that solves a lot of uh, discrepancies. Swap is
0: great. Wait, just just for the people who might not be familiar with mechanics and stuff, what do you mean by swap coming back in Marauders? Because it was utilized in the factions? Uh, Swap is a term that is used
2: in the Law of Root Mm-hmm. For slipping through the restrictions of, say, the keep or something like that.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think. I think in like, my law of slug,
2: in my oh, in great. my rule book for this, <laughs> okay. in the rule book, the rule book contains all the rules for the expansion, but also uh, reminders of important things from the law of root. Uh G point one point three thirty one. Swap, switch the locations of the two prompted pieces. This ignores move and place restrictions such as the corvid snare and the marquise keep. Oh. Um, Powerful indeed. That is how witness gets around it. But you first have to swap them with warriors from your supply, and then you can remove the warriors from your supply since they're not being removed from the map.
0: Because they would be returned to your supply. What does that do with coffin makers? We don't have to get into a rules episode, by the way. I was just curious. <laughs> uh, Sorry to make you. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like. Whoa. That's <laughs> a lot of stuff. As to if remember. it was defender in battle. I mean, that sounds like it would be returning to a supply. That would right. be reclamation. Yeah. Originally, swap was brought in with, I imagine, the corvids, right? Because they mm. were the trick. Was the first introduction of that,
2: right? Yeah, because you would have to swap that. So that's that's kind right. of where it comes from. But yeah, so reclamation when they're uh, removed from the ranks, as if removed from the map, defending in battle, then that would probably trigger uh, coffin makers. Because yes. swapping the piece wouldn't oh, actually cool. be a removal that would trigger Mm -hmm. a thing. Interesting.
3: I had a question slug. So in order of the forest, you mentioned that there is this kind of information component to this faction. So like Mm -hmm. what, what kind of information does this faction get get access to? And like, how does it help them?
2: Um, Well, one of the things you do is obviously you're altruists. You're very, very honest. Um, All of the cards, your card that you don't draw at the end of evening, you take the order card into your hand, which is the order card decides what, action where you can take actions in daylight so when you do your setup you first have a card called the foreseen you get to look at it you know what's coming other people don't uh in your bird song the foreseen is revealed as the order card so you have Ah, a bit of knowledge about where you're going to be doing actions next turn that other people don't know but then when you rest which is the end of At the end of evening, you take the order card into your hand and score the ranks. You don't draw from the shared deck. Uh, You only have one way of getting secret cards, which is placing soup tokens. Feed the needy. (laughs) Soup tokens. And then you get uh, some people, some extra secret people in your hand, which is usually how you go about uh, getting some secret, building up for some secret crafts, that kind of stuff. You also have confessions. So once in birdsong, you can look at the hand of an enemy with pieces uh, in a clearing with an abbey.
3: Whoa. That's pretty cool. Hmm. So yeah, you do you're able to sort of get a little bit of information from your opponents. There's a little bit of hidden information that they don't have access to that can kind of govern what your next turn is going to look like. That's kind yeah. of cool. It's exciting. Uh it's not surprising to me that this is a considered a high complexity faction because there's a lot of moving parts. Yes. But this seems like a super cool uh faction to just like sink your teeth into. It's it's fun. It's uh
2: definitely uh a bit of a puzzle. I will say that, I mean, when, when you see people wanting to design factions, it usually starts with pick them, pick up and deliver and Mm -hmm. taking people's stuff. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah, That's kind of where it starts out. Uh, I have learned my lesson. I only did a taking people's stuff, uh, one other faction than this that takes other people's stuff and I'm done. Taking other stuff is a weird thing. It's very hard to make work and balance and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Taking people's stuff.
3: And what do you mean by pick up and deliver?
2: <laughs> uh often people, I mean, that that's why I do with Bone Patrol. This idea of having like a, a pick and how how are going to how am I going to get this faction to score points? Oh, I don't know. I'll give them like a pick up and deliver mini game. <laughs> um, a football
3: that they got to score a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a root ball. <laughs> um but I definitely that
2: that opens the door to kind of a very delayed scoring. Um which we've all seen kind of what happened with crows for a long time, a delayed mm-hmm. scoring could be really tough. A pick up deliver—you have to go and pick it up, and then bring it back. So that's often like a two-two turn score. So that can be really interrupted, which is why Bone Patrol has uh, the ability to control so much of what's going on, on the board because they have to be able to stay on track for that mini game, or it's all for naught. Right. I would say, in a, yeah, in a game with eight to ten rounds. It's got to it's yeah. got to work a bit faster. It's got to <laughs> yeah, work a bit right. faster than that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Croaker's Coven is a, an insurgent place and protect type faction with delayed scoring and few frogs, which are their warriors, uh, but lots of game warping powers that can help them make it through the night. Where badgers recover relics and cats build buildings, Croker's Coven places and protects their statues and schools.
0: Ooh. And schools. Schools. They're wizards. The, the witches, yeah.
1: Ooh,
0: yeah. <laughs> witches and wizards. You
1: said there were a few frogs? You only have 15 warriors.
2: Okay. Uh, so you have a limited supply, and your you have three statues and three schools. Your schools can be in clearings with other schools, so you can stack them together, although you get less of a benefit from them, but you might want that for crafting. Your schools are also your only crafting pieces, so you only have three. And mm-hmm. statues can only... Cannot be in clearings with schools or clearings with other statues. Mm. So you're talking about maybe protecting five different clearings with fifteen warriors. Bit of a challenge. Uh, you also do need rule to move. Uh, so it's definitely a uh, choose your choose your battles.
3: Yeah, mm. yeah. But the, the value of placing schools goes beyond just the you know benefits of education for frogs. <laughs>
2: It does. That's how you gain your uh, new spells. That's how you research your new spells from the deck of spells. There are 8 game warping spells in 4 levels. Uh, The X level spells are gained by placing out all statues. Uh, They're kind of utility spells, which are good to get early, but it's quite an investment to get. Um, you also score more off statues, schools. You score less off of, but you can use them for crafting, and that is where you recruit. Gives you access to level
3: one, level two, and level three. That's awesome. What, what's um, I, I know it's like picking your favorite child or whatever, but like, do you have a favorite spell? I mean, the the faction was designed
2: around the teleport spell. That was kind of oh, like the cool. nugget. The nugget for Croker's Coven was this idea of a mechanic that could move buildings and tokens to clearings that were not adjacent
3: move buildings
2: yeah so like, that's you only have three crafting pieces but you can teleport them to clearings of other suits if there is mm. an available slot that is super cool wow. it's a it's a fun fun little game but yeah it just kind of came together i was i was really interested in that kind of mechanic and I was like oh, i don't i don't know how that's gonna how am I going to do that? You know, what reason is there for that to be? And then I came across a, a fantastic, little unrelated illustration that Kyle Farron had done of a
3: wizard frog, and I'm like, "That'll do. That'll do." <laughs> That's, That's awesome. so great. Yeah, this one also has a giant maple as well, uh, which I'm actually I'm curious about how how does how does the this mud man. Um, large green mudman interact with this faction of frogs? <laughs> uh, the mudman
2: is a level three summon spell. Uh, where you summon the Mudman into a clearing, and then in between each player's turn, you roll a suited and a kind of hits die specific to the mm-hmm. Mudman, and it moves into that clearing if possible uh, and deals those hits to every player in the clearing, including <laughs> you. <laughs> it just goes in swinging. I love that. It just, yeah, it goes in swinging. Um, it counts as its own player for things like sympathy and stuff like that. So uh, Alliance would draw a card, but Croakers would mm-hmm. not pay for it. Uh, but Croakers does score points off of enemy cardboard that is
3: destroyed. Nice. Yeah. Wow. It kind of uh, reminds me of the mob die a little bit and like the way that uh, mob tokens would spread. Except this one is attached to a way fun meeple and it just <laughs> <laughs> gets to it's blow stuff meeple. up a clearing, which is really exciting. Uh, this faction seems cool. I, I'm seems cool. smiling a lot from. Kroger's it's definitely
2: combat.
1: one of my
0: favorites. I, really I like want to sling <laughs>
1: spells and root. That is something I really want
0: to do. We need more magic in this game. It
1: yeah. was definitely like the spot where
2: Outsiders Expansion kind of like became Outsiders Expansion because mm. people were not very interested in having wizard frogs. In route. right
0: right <laughs> uh, interferes
2: with the lore um some people can be quite vocal about it uh, i am just a fan i am on the outside so i can do whatever i want outside
1: hell yeah and hell that yeah. it became the outsider's expansion all right cool yeah let's keep going with these factions we got two more right
2: two more two more very high complexity uh factions <laughs> yeah this now. is the deep end of the pool now this one actually see this is funny because this one even the next one is, is a much deeper drop down the well uh 12 (laughs) colonies uh, is a militant faction with a pretty straightforward game plan Uh, place more capitals and score off them but you do have roundabout ways of making that happen the biggest of which is an added formalized table talk step for all players to participate in during your turn once you've committed your forces Uh, where moles sway ministers and score off minister actions and where rats remove all enemies where they rule 12 colonies places commons and claims points off of capitals
1: All right, we got to get into this. What do you mean like a designated table talk step that happens during your turn? So after you do your recruit, it's called the Democratic Process,
2: and it is inspired (laughs) by uh, the agenda phase of Twilight. Ah, yes,
1: very much. Of course.
2: But it's contained within your bird song, and there's an economy of ballots uh, that gets distributed to all players, based on a certain system. Obviously, the democratic process contains a bunch of words, which kind of scares people off of the board. The rest of the 12 colonies game plan is is pretty straightforward, and even the democratic process, once you get into it, is pretty, pretty bing-bang-boom. Um, but yeah, there are 16 different laws that uh, really warp uh, the game and what can happen, and players have an opportunity to vote on what will happen. Uh, you obviously have your own agenda, you are trying to pass laws that either get something done or when you place your commons and capitals, you place them by spending cards, not only that match the clearing, but also have to match the current law in effect. Mm. So you're trying to pass certain laws. You At the end of your turn, you draft three. And before the start of your next turn, you have to put all but one back. So you have within the round to kind of think about which one is the best one to put forward based on what's been happening in the game. And sometimes you're trying to put something forward to, to fail because you want the old one to stay. Sometimes you want the new one to go through, but you also want to get people voting because their engagement in the voting process is also, what gives you
3: ballots with when you use to recruit. Oh, interesting. Wow. So the participation in the democratic process fuels your engine.
2: Yes. Yes. And obviously uh, you can use the fact that you will then police because you are very capable of policing uh, right. as a incentive. You have well, the, I will the use, confidence of the I will use those ballots. If you vote, yeah, I will use those ballots to go That's and very crush. Crazy. That's amazing. X.
3: Uh, let, let's read a couple samples of these um, laws yeah, here because they're yeah, pretty right. pretty interesting. Okay, so here's like a pretty straightforward one: it's Pax vote Bays. Mm. players cannot initiate battles in fox clearings. Where you would battle, you may instead move from that clearing. All right, pretty straightforward. Ooh, There's like a peace amongst all the fox clearings, but you can quickly see how that would. Heavily favor certain players. Uh, the birds say
0: nay. <laughs> there you go. Yeah,
3: exactly. Or well, if they have a suited recruit, they might say
0: <laughs>
3: "Yeah, they Might be all for it. Right? The uh,
2: inclusion of the may instead move from there is actually a, a bird, a bird bone.
3: Mm, Makes sense. Classic yeah. bird bone. Yeah, I, it's I just thought not that fair. was
1: really clever because I think I think a lot of people think, oh, I want my ability to restrict what's going on in the game. And root is already somewhat restrictive of what you can do and not do. Um, and so adding these extra restrictions without a way of, yeah, kind of like taking it or leaving it is is important. I appreciate that flexibility in there. That's great. Well, it's I want to cool. hear a couple other laws.
3: So there, there's two kinds of laws. That one that we just read was a directive, which directive. is just sort of a global rule type of adjustment. Mm-hmm. Another example of that is... Uh, Incide Tutela <laughs> oh, Ambush ice cards ice. <laughs> cannot be Played against other players Ooh, Ooh. Spice okay. But the real juicy ones The ones that I would love to see come up in Any game that I play with the 12 colonies Is the election Laws now these are Actually kind of similar to um, Or sort of adjacent To a few that are in Twilight Imperium But for example uh, Ferris Ratio Elect a player the elected player does an extra hit when attacking in battle. <laughs> that could get contentious. You know, maybe you elect the lizards.
0: And it, <laughs> is it
1: just that one law is in play at a time, Slug? Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. So mm-hmm. then we can see the benefit of something and be like, we got to vote on something else so that we can take away this boon we've given to another player. Yeah, and
2: if you don't pass a new law, you keep the old law in place. So this player doing, uh, one per time, you might, you might elect them to be the police, be like, we need you to police. And then maybe they use, uh, cause you can also buy ballots from, it's called the public trust and you can also kind of deescalate by removing warriors from the map to gain ballots. Mm. So you might then, if you have a lot of warriors, you might become the police and then take off some warriors to keep the ballot, to keep that in play. Mm. Oh.
3: Right. Interesting. So you have to sort of like have the scales in your mind as to like where do I need to have political pressure, where do I need just the the capital in terms of the votes? Yeah. The ballots to keep my laws in place to keep this game stable.
2: (laughs) I would say that like twelve colonies is the rest of their game is like once you hit daylight, it's bing bang boom, as I was saying. I think it's kind of my favorite type of complexity where all of the complexity of it is actually not on the map. It's between the players, and that's yeah. Kind of it's above the complexity.
3: table. It's political. Okay, I want to read one last one because yeah. this one just tickles me to death. I love it. Okay, this one is uh, so. So each of the laws are tied to a suit, but then there are four laws that uh, have all three suits kind of on them. All right, these are a little, a little more universal. Okay, so this one's called Valorum Historiae. Elect a slot on the map. That has a building or ruins with an item. Remove all pieces from the slot and place the historical site marker. <laughs> <laughs> this marker cannot be removed from the map even after this law is repealed. That's amazing. <laughs> so you amazing. just get to designate a historical site.
0: <laughs> this is like that cultural planet thing in Twilight, right? Yeah, the, the what is DMZ? Yeah,
3: yeah, demilitarized zone. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. A, a DM slot. Yeah. <laughs> That's this is great. just so fantastic. And I do feel like the, the character of this faction just is shining through in, in all these laws. They're super fun. Yeah, That's 12 great. Colonies. Uh, not for the faint of heart, but I'd I, I love to play as this faction. Oh my gosh, that sounds so fun.
2: <laughs> the rest of it, and even like even the actual voting process, it's like once you get the hang of it, it's really easy. You just kind of... There's a lot of things that are done in point order from like highest to lowest or from lowest to highest so that it takes a lot of words. But literally, you just look at the VP track and you just go from left to right or right
3: to left. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's really uh, quick and our, our players. Like is this in the the uh, law of slug that players are required to say yay and or nay? <laughs> uh, it's on the board yay or nay or present <laughs> there is no
2: there is no yes or no vote you can only vote yay or nay <laughs>
0: <laughs> for those of you listening and like thinking about all these rules and concepts you're also missing out on a ton of like flavor that's happening i have we talked about how the fact that the 12 colonies are a bunch of tortoises and snakes we have not we have not mentioned that and one of the tortoises has a powdered wing
3: it's, and the snakes have a cute. has
0: a don't tread on me flag like this is very quintessentially a, in the colonies they're a two-party system
2: of libertarian okay. reptiles <laughs> obviously the lizards can't be
0: involved because they have that thing they do you know you know lizards. Yeah. They're the religious lobby. We get it. Right, yeah. They just yeah. shouldn't be involved in government. The First Amendment said, okay, <laughs> All right, that's Jake, a different podcast. Jake. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh,
2: but yeah, a lot of the inspiration for this was uh, actually the 13 colonies. Right. But there are only 12 clearings on the map, so the 12 <laughs> colonies. That's amazing.
3: I appreciate that you've preserved the separation of Church and Snake. Oh, that's a good that, that hurt me.
1: Okay, uh, let's do our last faction of the Outsiders Expansion Slug. Uh, old
2: Man Tinker, also known as mm. OMT, is an insurgent and opportunistic hunt and destroy faction that revolves around the idea of treating things as other things. But don't let that distract you. You have come back in time, or claim to, on a mission. Where birds protect the buildings they've built and otters place trade posts and score off dividends, Old Man Tinker successfully produces gears and drones at factories and eradicates threats to the timeline. <laughs> Okay, um. What do you mean, you, pre-
0: you, you preserve the timeline?
3: <laughs> you claim to. I love you- that this faction is an unreliable narrator. Yes, yes. <laughs> the birds must take this clearing or else the world is doomed.
2: He's just a crazy bearded old beaver who claims to have come from a war-torn
0: future, but he's only claiming that. Yeah, the b- mm. the better reality is that he's nuts and like just wants to <laughs> He may just <laughs> throw his robots into the world like a Bond villain. Does have robots.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. So, talk to me about what it means to preserve the timeline and what do the robots look like? <laughs> uh, the robots are basically just based on clockwork robots
2: cuz right. that is actually you know, robots. That's that's not in the lore. Right. It's in two kind, expansions actually. Kind of. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> kind of. Um uh, but yeah, Old Man Tinker is kind of Vagabond-inspired, but it is not a Vagabond. It's a mm-hmm. faction. So there are elements about it, such as... Oh, it. Actually, one of the ones it started with was this idea of infamy or targeted kind of strikes. So there was like kind of a targeting mechanic. It doesn't work. I don't suggest it to anybody. Uh, it, it just doesn't work in the game of Root because obviously you just pick on the one who is the easiest to pick on and mm-hmm. bing, 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 and you win. Um, so, but it actually became, and that's one of the things I think that a lot of people who play OMT don't kind of recognize is that you have, you claim to have come back in time to eradicate perceived threats to the timeline. You hunt and you kill. I remember this is one that, uh, Kyle, you would come on an episode of weird Root.
3: Yes. I have played as this faction and mm-hmm. you played as it, and you got very caught up in production I wanted to make robots. Yeah. And producing. <laughs> I lost sight of the threats to the timeline. I was,
2: I was messing around with the toys. <laughs> yeah, you, you lost. It was just the. I've actually done something in the final version because of that play to kind of. Because oh. that's, that's also my fault, you know, for not, not being able to convey that to the player. Um, but yeah, the, the production definitely does not get you enough points to win the game. So some people fall into the thing that it is a production faction. Well, I need to produce. I have to keep producing. Well, you get to the point where you don't have anything to produce. Everything is on the map. That's because you need to send that stuff out and kill. Mm-hmm. Kill off your, because you have tokens that uh, can be turned into, you can tinker them into drones, which are then treated as warriors on the map and your tokens become warriors. Buzzing around and, and doing battle,
3: yeah. So you sort you send of decentralized, them like swarm of a little fighty, little token robot attackers.
2: Yeah. So you send those tokens out into the map and battle with them to then lose them, so they return to the supplies so that you can continue producing them. And that is the production is more of a a, a machine that kind of fuels the killing.
0: <laughs> uh,
2: but actually, so what I did, they used to have a, an action that was just a move or battle. And so that has now become a crusade to Mm. emphasize the need to battle and the need for this mission that you can, you get a free move if you battle. Keep battling, you are on
1: a crusade. Definitely a good word for what OMT is here to do. Oh, cool. All right, so you talked about kind of like targeting the threats of the timeline. That's gone. Oh, that's gone. Now,
2: well, now it's it's just on your word.
1: Oh, I see. Right, right. Of there course, used of to course.
2: be a predictive, like this is, you know, and there were, there were so many components, oh my gosh, um, <laughs> that you would be targeting certain people in the hope that they would attack you so that then you could surprise them and say, oh, you were the one I thought would attack you. But it became mm-hmm. really obvious. It's really obvious who is able to attack you. Right. Uh, so it just became a lot of components that didn't really do that much. So I just gave uh, OMT more ability to go out and do the killing themselves. Oh, I see. So you're just rampaging, trying to pick up the extra points from cardboard. Uh, yeah, because production will get you some, but as Kyle noticed, not, not right. enough. Right. You are not an enough. opportunistic hunt-and-destroy faction. You go Very in, you cool. grab that cardboard. That roost will be what clinches the future. Yeah, <laughs> you've said.
1: Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. That's awesome. And those are the six factions that are included, apart from the map, in the deck. And you said a vagabond extra rule, is that the quest freshener? Uh no, the
2: vagabond is the Grouch Vagabond. Oh. Uh it's just a foul tempered crow in a garbage can. <laughs> and my first foray into investigating design space for Vagabond characters. Uh that was around the time that it became like the outsiders expansion and I was yep. like, All right.
3: Crow in the garbage can, you're coming you're coming hither.
1: <laughs> what is this the crow in
3: the garbage can start with? A yeah. famous icon in yeah. uh, in root worlds. Well,
2: one of the things because like people say that sometimes uh, my 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 content is not quite in tune with the lore of root, but I definitely try to stay in tune with the lore <laughs> of the community of the game.
3: What they don't have tin in this universe, they can't fashion tin into a tall barrel and call it a trash can.
2: <laughs> the uh, the turtles were actually originally owls. It was a collaboration mm. with someone else, but then they left. And then I decided to pick up the tattered remains of Pantsgate.
1: And oh, forward. right. Of course. For the listeners who don't know, Pantsgate is uh, What the badgers in the Marauder expansion were going to be turtles. And you, it makes a lot of sense with the armor and stuff. But Kyle Farron famously said, how do the turtles wear clothes? <laughs> and the design <laughs> changed. And then they just made them badgers, right? Is that right, Slug? Yeah. Can
2: they wear pants or can't they? Let's put it to a vote.
0: <laughs> I do love the idea that this was like at 99% completion. And then Kyle was in the meeting with leader. And he's like, what about clothes? And they're like, okay, they're badgers. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like Kyle
3: pulled an all nighter and he's just like, I can't get the pants to work. i tried everything. Just a bunch of schematics home with, with turtles turtle. and different smocks. <laughs> Little pair of pants at home. Just
2: can't
0: get them on. Just Their waists on. are too big if you include the shell.
1: all right uh so i want to i'm thoroughly jazzed about the content that is in this uh fan-made expansion here um i guess i want to know like for you slug what was like the criteria or like the the bar it needed to meet to be included in this expansion and like how much playtesting went into all of this
2: uh so for me i call i call it stable quote stable that's like that's what i call stuff um, which basically means that uh, it has survived 10, like a minimum of 10 play tests against a variety of official content uh, in its current, most current iteration with only like maybe the minor changes. Maybe you do like a wording tweak here, but nothing really has changed in it. It's been the same. You've done at least 10 tests with it with all kinds of official content and there's no noticeable balance issues. That to me is like, that's kind of stable Mm -hmm. for me now. I actually don't even show any, anything to anyone until I'm at that point. Wow. Uh, and I do, I do those, um, I do those self testing. Uh, Mm -hmm. and then I kind of put it out in the world and I let it go out in the world for a good little while. But yeah, the 10 came from, I forget if it was a BGG that Patrick leader had started or whether he just chimed in and he kind of had, had, was asking a bunch of people, um, if they had how much they had tested their own content, or did they test their own content? And you know, a lot of it's like, yeah, sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did once. Yeah. Once I made it, it's done. <laughs> it's great. Um, and then he the, he spit out the number ten somewhere, and so that's I kind of just use that as like the kind of uh, metric uh, for why I do it, and I do my testing in standard. Uh, not an ad set. Ad sets new. That's very. It's very popular, and I get it because it's great, and that's how I play all my games. But when I test, I uh, I always test in standard. If it can't make it with three random cards, without it being right. obvious, like oh, it got it got dog done, mm-hmm. you know, a bad a bad hand. But that happens, and that you can see that when it happens, and at least then you know. But yeah, it should work in standard because the game was designed in standard. And I always make sure specifically to test the cats in all four corners of a map. Mm -hmm. If it's a map, because that's important. They have to be able to survive anywhere. Um, And yeah, so I do, I do it random. So it's more fun. So I have a a die in TTS that chooses a random map. Mm -hmm. And then I have a set of seven die. One of them is kind of like a high reach uh, cats and rats equal sides. One is a mid-reach, which is birds, moles, and badgers. And the other is like an insurgent die, which has five heads and then like an extra one with my face. Well, my slug face on it is like a <laughs> yeah. re-roll. Yeah. Um, and that gives you uh, good combinations. And then you just throw those in a randomizer bag. They do them now automatically. You can just set it to do random, but. At first, I had to make a bag that would randomize it, and I toss them all in, and I grab three out of it, and I throw in uh, my faction as well. Wow. Um, but that is also before none of these factions are red. That was right. also kind of a new thing. Uh, Twelve colonies you can use as the red, but only in games of at least I would say four or more. I recommend with four or more. Yeah, uh, just because it has a voting mechanic, and it just that sucks it too. Yeah. Don't yeah. waste your, don't waste your time. Yeah. Uh, but it can, it can, it is tested to hold against, uh, all other insurgent factions. But other than that, I say fan content generally is like safety first. So equal to, or less than five is what I consider most fan content. Unless you test it specifically to red. Cause you might think that something's red, but if you haven't done the testing, then
3: it's not. Um, is it, is it difficult to test, uh, in a solo play, playing as four factions. What what do you specifically like watch out for during that step?
2: Uh, at first, I do. I really just want to go through it as many times as, as possible. And it can be very hard to get everyone on board. Plus the fact that not only is it finding those people who will join you, but also, especially in the first couple tests, I... Because people always, when they when they make something, they always want to test it with, oh, you know, come on, let's play this, this faction or whatever. There's a lot that becomes very obvious the moment you start testing something, even by yourself. I. This is just a, a side story. The first game I ever made, the first game I ever made was a, a Survivor game. I love Survivor. And uh, I had the whole thing worked out. There was character creation. There was challenges. There was the voting mechanic. It all worked out. It was perfect. I, I even had a map. It was a prototype map, but I mean, I went and got all this stuff printed out and I was stoked for it. And my in real life group came and thus began the worst five hours of my life. <laughs> it was, it was awful. It was awful, but we were all committed. If I had sat down for 20 minutes by myself, so many things would have been fixed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So I always think, like, respecting other people's time is definitely a part of yes. self-testing. So I always wait till it's at a point where it's at least ready for other people. But in a game where you're testing, you know, different different seat turn orders, um, you know, you want to have people in different... That's why I always randomize, because you never do. I always want to make sure that it works with the standard deck. It always works with the Exiles deck. And sometimes I do a mix, like a combo fan deck you know the ones that are Mastercard deck and offensive deck things like that um once in a while i'll do a a fan deck only if i feel like a little spicier um you just want to flow it and you want to be really honest about what's going on uh which i think is some where sometimes people get caught up in not being able to self-test is they can't help but collude with themselves against someone Mm. else but that's something you have to do like obviously i know that so and so faction has an ambush but i Mm -hmm. wouldn't know that so would i do this with what i know have all of the ambushes been played already what ones haven't been played what kind of clearing am i attacking so you have to kind of ask yourself those kind of questions and make sure you're being as fair as possible crows as we were talking earlier is Mm -hmm. definitely where that becomes a little bit more of a a pinch and you just do what you can uh, in that moment Uh, i actually use a die for randomizing but i base what I'm rolling for based on what information has been shared. Mm. So obviously, if there are... If both bombs are out on the map, then it's not going to be a bomb. Right. You know, or, not bomb, not a, a snare. Say both right. snares right. are on the map. Then obviously, it's not going to be a, even one of four. It's more likely going to be the other ones. Um, same with exposure. You have to... For exposure, it's like if you're playing a faction against against yourself as, as crows, and... I mean if they don't really need to be stopped, players don't exposure them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they exposure yeah, yeah, yeah. them when it's like when the it's time. And then you also have to have the resources to do it. If I'm the faction with one card, I'm not doing exposure. I'll let someone else do it. Yeah. So you have to kinda of think of those terms of what everybody would be doing and be very fair about, about what would happen. I also try to do a wide variety of strategies and try to do a lot of outside the box uh, strategies as well you don't want to get pinged on like the one you know obviously we all like overwork build build bird card recruit <laughs> right. but not always sometimes sometimes you try something else uh, and sometimes you'll play a faction where actually something else works really well like deep woods That's a different
1: cats game but they can have a right. good game but that's a different game right right ah that's great uh, yeah so it sounds like these things have been very thoroughly tested at least especially for fan content um is there a place is is can we find streams of these factions being played i feel like a lot of people like learn by seeing you know and it might be hard to get off the ground with uh content that they're not familiar with
2: there are weird root episodes where they are being played uh, when we will introduce factions to weird root roster it used to be a little more loosey-goosey. But now we usually do an introduction where we try to keep it just focused on the new content that's being introduced. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, bringing too much in at once can be a little bit a little bit much for people. I also tried to, when I went through everything this last time, I wanted to be very final. So I went into the BGG articles for each of these bits of content and redid the whole thing. So not only is there a big thing on what the faction is and how it works. There's also a big section on design and development of it, and also a big list of common misplays. Oh, that is so handy. I really wanted to make it final. I'm not kidding about that, because you get lots Lots of questions, and you're just one slug.
1: Right. (laughs) So you can't always answer them all. That Yeah, that leads me to one of my questions I wrote down here, which is, what is a slug face killer? Uh, it was my Xbox 360 <laughs>
2: username. Yeah, yeah. there yeah. was like there was there's only so many pictures that they had to choose from the weird like panda face and things like that and one of them was the slug face and that's what I use for my for my user mm. pictures the Xbox 360. What was your
0: Xbox 360 game?
2: Um, there was a bunch. It was a what? Worms for sure.
1: <laughs> oh, love worms. worms. Forever. Kyle and I forever lost worms. a whole month of our lives to worms oh that's that's then you got off you got off easy <laughs> worms, worms
2: is definitely the big thing that's like my most fun one to play i don't really play video games that much anymore because i find that although i like the the design of them a lot i tend to like the puzzle to be more abstracted which is why i like board games more yeah mm-hmm. less feather quests
3: <laughs> i hate
2: feather quest broke me i was like
1: i am not getting another feather i don't care <laughs> Awesome. Uh, Well, slug, we uh, have a little root pretty segment. If you'd like to participate, Uh, also, what is with the art? Well, quote art, quote. Right. Uh, (laughs) You know, do you
2: you know what buffaloing is? That's the term that I use. No, I don't know what this is. Uh, It came up once. I also saw it in a like a designer chat with Cole, and I think it was Patrick who was in it, and they were talking about. Buffaloing, and I was like, "Oh, it's so funny because I, I always think about it as buffaloing, and it's when you use every part of the animal." Oh, right, mm-hmm. of course. Yeah. So none of the art that I've made is, well, almost none of it is is freehand. I have other s- skills, but being an illustrator is not one of them. Mm-hmm. Supercat One is a is a French artist with a very very good uh, Kyle kind of style, but mm-hmm. very much his own style as well, and he's very talented and I like that. And I, there are other people who do really good. Who's the other one right now?
1: Tin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah tin's great i think tin did my rpg character uh quick (laughs) correction mainly for jake which is uh tofas is the one who made my rpg character not tin but for me i specifically and very intentionally only buffalo
2: works by kyle Mm Farron because i just really respect him and the world that he makes and i always want the root universe to still be his universe, even if it has been attacked with scissors and glue.
0: (laughs) 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 It looks legit. Like you say quote unquote, but like it's it's so Kyle Farron in his touches and it's clearly it's him because you've used everything else that he hasn't used. And it you've you've implemented in a good way just in terms of like also your choice of design. Like the boards look the boards look legit. Like they would come in an expansion. A very busy and Word-filled expansion, but that's because of the that's necessitated on the complexity of it. But they look great. You've done such a good job of organizing this and also laying it out too. Like just on top of you, you say you're not an illustrator, but as far as graphic design goes, you're doing phenomenal.
2: I've done a share bit of that. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, my only tools are
2: scissors and glue. It's 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 all Kyle. Uh, for example, like the the root outside of the expansion box. That's a good that's a good example.
3: Staring at it right now, it is. Uh, it's so convincing. Just looking at it, it I want to buy it off a store shelf. Like it looks amazing. One of the things I love about buffaloing is
2: that also you kind of create the game of like, where is this from? Where yeah. is this little bit <laughs> from? Which I actually think brings yes. people attention to just how much amazing artwork Kyle does. Yeah. And so the background of this box is actually from made from two pieces. So as, a, as my own root party, do you know what uh, ooh, different on. what two arts this, uh, this background of the box is from? The
0: background of the front art cover? Is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah. There's all the characters and they're on a, a mm-hmm. background that's kind of yellow at the bottom and then green at the top.
3: Yes. Um, hmm. 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 Well, the forest at the top, mm-hmm. uh, that makes me think of the autumn map a little bit. And, uh, Sam, you're shaking your head, but I'm just calling it how I see it. You're wasting a guess.
0: <laughs> Jesus.
3: <laughs> wow. Okay, yeah, Sam, what's your guess? Okay.
1: <laughs> I think one is is one from the Riverfolk cover, and the other one is from Oath? The Oath cover? The bottom is from Oath.
2: Yeah.
0: Whoa,
2: that's pretty impressive. Nice. very nicely done, nicely done well uh root adjacent though yes mm-hmm. it is from the site i believe it is the plains mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is the bottom of it and the top is from a picture from the rpg which was not out <gasps> at the time but there was a preview picture that came out of a gathering of woodland creatures uh against a background like this they have been removed from the background so the background can be on
1: full display wow
0: wow nice. Very nice.
2: nice
1: gosh it was so great to have you on the pod finally slug i'm glad Thanks. we we found an angle and uh congratulations again on the release of the outsiders expansion it 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 seems to be brimming with great stuff and i'm i'm very excited to check it out it's
2: done now there's just what's next
1: yeah awesome is there talks about anything in the future are you going to do another big project like this eventually i
2: know exactly what's next actually i I started working on it a while ago i mean there are some things for it are Uh, you from the future (laughs) no no it's just it's it's gonna be a a long process um it's uh the doomed expansion
1: Ooh, very uh, cool tagline
2: is the box so big it could never be produced (laughs) i love that seven deadly scenarios six doomed vagabonds, five frightening factions, four murderous maps, three twisted reimaginings, two monstrous multiplayer modules, one dark deck, and zero chance of being made official. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a fantastic tagline.
2: I love yeah. that. Awesome. It will uh, it will bring me up to 50-plus uh, different fan-made uh, creations, and after that, they know where to find me.
1: that's amazing awesome well like thanks again for coming on the pod slug um of course we 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 never would have gotten a chance to chat if we didn't share our love of the same board game which is such a good game (laughs) (laughs) it's a great game it's a a really good game
2: sometimes i find it fun when when someone's thinking about something they want to design they're like i really want to like I really want to design this thing that'll do kind of this and then you're going well actually the game already does that. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's just it's just that good. Have you ever heard of the game of <sighs> <sighs>